like to take this time to welcome our visitors. And if you're visiting today and you're hungry, you've made a good choice. We're having lunch right after services. We'd like to invite you to stay. The food's not very good, but we'll make do. I've said this before, and it's been a while. Mary and I, through our travels at UPS and moving around, we went to several different congregations, got transferred. They don't outcook Rome. These ladies cook good. But anyway, we'd like to invite you at 1 o'clock, or right after services, and then back, we'll have a 1 o'clock service right after lunch, and there will be no 6 p.m. service this evening. Also, we'd like to remind you to silence your cell phones. We'd appreciate that. Men's retreat is March of 15th and 16th. That's a couple weeks. Keep that on your calendar. Keep that in your prayers that we have a good turnout for that. Also, keep Chris and the families and the children that are on their way back from CYC today, that they have safe passage home. Keep them in your prayers. Also, just a few minutes ago, David texts Gary and Mandy's taking him to the ER. He's experiencing some chest pain. So keep David Trevathan in your prayers at this time. With Chris being gone, David was scheduled to be at South Point today to speak. So keep them in your prayers as they hustle for a preacher right quick. Steve McLeod will be bringing us a lesson this morning. Before we begin, I'd like to read Matthew 6, 33 and 34. If you'd like to follow along. But seek first the kingdom of, his, of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we are thankful for this beautiful day of life you've given us for your son who came and died for us. We're thankful for this time that we have that we can come and worship service to you and glorify your name. And we pray, Father, that the things we do are pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. We have several things to ask this morning that you be with our upcoming men's retreat, that it'll be a success and that we can do many good things. Also, Father, we pray for Chris and, and all the family members and the children that are traveling home from CYC, that you give them safe passage. And Father, be with David at this time as he's at the hospital experiencing chest pains. Pray that the doctors will be able to help him and be with him and Mandy and, and watch over him. Be with Steve as he presents us with the lesson this morning. As we go through our worship service, bless us. We ask your blessings on our sick and our shut-ins. 
Forgive us of our sins. In thy son's name we pray. And amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 438. My hope is built on nothing less. We sing, sing the first three verses. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. I bear a cross of Jesus' reign. The holy name of Jesus' name. On Christ's suffering, on Christ's death, on the ground, Next hymn this morning, number 244, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. 244. We'll sing the first, first three verses of that song also. And then Brother Kevin Lyles will have our scripture reading and prayer.
Verses that uh, Steve has selected for us this morning come from John 8, uh, verses 31 through 36. John 8, 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed in him, If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. And were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoever committeth sin is in the servants of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day that you have blessed us with, and we're especially mindful and thankful that you have allowed us to call this your day and that you have allowed us to come here and worship with those that we love in a place that's, that's free of persecution and, and someone trying to stop us. We pray that as we worship with you today that our hearts and our minds will be fully into it and that our worship up to you will be something that is pleasing unto you. We're mindful this morning that there are many that aren't able to be here, whether they be traveling or whether they be ill, uh, either spiritually, physically, or however, and we pray that you will be with them um, and, and watch the doctors over them or watch them and keep them safe and keep their hearts, hearts cheerful. We pray for the leaders of our country and the leaders of our our regional areas and local areas that they might pick things to, to do and things to, to vote on that will further your kingdom here on earth because we know that there's no way to peace around the world without you and we pray that you will be with them and be with us. Be with us today as we worship and, and we sincerely pray that everything that we do will be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Next hymn this morning, number 511, Oft We Come Together. <clears throat>
churches around the world are gathered together this morning for the purpose of remembering the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And churches around the world usually go through some form of setting the tone, uh, doing something to get us in the right state of mind uh, to partake of this Lord's Supper. Um, John just led us in a song. Um, typically the songs are about the cross, uh, about the sacrifice, about love, uh, about our responsibility. Um, to kind of get our mind, get us in our, that mindset while we do this. Um, I've been to churches where they dim the lights to kind of get you to focus. You know, you're not distracted by the thing, the shiny particles around you because the lights are dimmed down. You're more focused on what you're actually doing. Uh, so we take, we take steps uh, to try to, to set the scene. Um, we usually have a guy come up to lead the Lord's Supper. Uh, today it's me. Uh, usually to say a few words, to read some scripture, uh, to help our minds focus and adjust. Uh, so this morning, I'd like to lead another song. Uh, I specifically did not put it on the overhead because I want you to use your book so that you can reflect on the words of the song um, while we partake of this Lord's Supper. It's number 950. Nine hundred fifty. I'm going to lead the first two verses and then a chorus. Uh, there'll be no intermediate chorus. Just verse one, verse two, and one chorus. If you would join with me. You're always would keep your books open so you can reflect on those verses while we take the Lord's Supper. 950 if you've already shut your book. Would you pray with me please? Father, we, we pause this morning to honor your son. We're thankful, Father, for all that we have in him and through him. Especially, Father, for his death on the cross for our sins. Becoming the lamb the sacrificial lamb that was necessary to take our sins away. Help us to reflect on him, on your love, 
and all that you do and have done for us as we take this Lord's Supper this morning. We're thankful, Father, for the time that we have. We're thankful for the emblems that we have. Thankful for the bread representing his broken body and the cup representing his blood. Bless us, Father, as we take this bread and help us to, to remember that the lamb was sacrificed for us. We pray in Christ's name. Father, continue to bless us as we take the cup. The fruit of the vine representing the blood of Christ shed on our behalf, the sacrificial lamb, the sacrificial blood necessary for us. Help us to concentrate on the things that he's done for us, the things that we have through him. Help us to remember that we could not have freedom from our sin without that sacrificial lamb. Bless us as we take the cup. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
We, uh, separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, it's a phrase that everybody uses, uh, we now use this time to take up our collection while we have the men assembled, uh, easy to continue the passing of plates. Um, we are truly blessed uh, with so much, um, not only spiritually, but also physically. Uh, we all have the, the health, the ability, the, the clothing, the means of transportation, the be here this morning, the building um, to worship in. Uh, we just have so much in this country to be thankful for. Uh, we're commanded to give back part of what we have so that um, the kingdom can grow, so that we can uh, spread his love to those around us uh, with what we have. So pray with me, please, as we offer a blessing on the collection. Father, you've blessed us with so much. Um, you have taken care of us, given us a pathway, a mode, and a means to, to enjoy eternal blessing in heaven. But you also take care of us here on earth. You've given us so much. Help us to, to count what we have, to understand what we have, um, to recognize that it is a gift from you. Help us to serve you as best we can with everything that we own, uh, everything that you've given us. We are but stewards of what you have given us and help us to be the best steward that we can be. Um, bless the offering taken up today. Help us, Father, to use it um, to further your kingdom, to share your love, to reach those around us. Once again, we're thankful for your son, for the blessing that we have through him. We pray in his name. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 727. We shall see the king someday. <clears throat> 727. We'll sing the first three verses. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. We shall see the peace of 
Invitation hymn this morning, number 770, While Jesus Whispers to You, 770, Brother Steve. Good morning. Thank you all for being here. I'd like to thank the elders for allowing me to, to be here. Um, I thank you if you're, especially if you're visiting, as always, you're a most honored guest. We'd just like nothing more than for you to, to come and, and, and attend with us as, as much as possible. Um, is this working? Did it? that maybe it's me okay anyway um, uh, I never listen to a, a, a lesson that I give I never listen to a sermon ever um, I just I, I don't I just don't <laughs> um, but I had I was discussing the last time that I spoke was we spoke on the Satan and, and your adversary and how we need to be vigilant and sober and and watch and somebody had asked me a question, and I couldn't even remember saying what, it, what they said I said. And, and I went back and listened to it. And, uh, man, there's something wrong with these microphones or my phone speaker because I don't sound like that. Uh, I've heard my voice before. I don't sound like that. I have a voice of an angel. Um, I, I don't sound that way. But anyway, um, I'd like to thank everybody again for, for just being here. And I hope that what we do here is not I'm – not, I'm not the type of person that's going to um, – deliver you an epiphany within the scriptures but what I hope to do is to remind us of what's important and refocus us sometimes if we get out of focus so this morning I want to uh, to speak about a couple things and give us maybe a different perspective on, on the way we see things sometimes um, when Logan was four years old I was sitting in the living room and he came down the hallway one afternoon he had his backpack and uh, I said what you doing bud I'm leaving I'm running away. How are you? Yes, yeah. He had this little backpack. It's packed with everything that a kid would need, a four-year-old would need to run away. Um, none of that, which included clothes, toothbrush, change of underwear, anything. 
it was all toys and then in, in, in one of his prized possessions, um, it was a little musical bear that he creatively named Bear Music. Um, it went everywhere at that time. But um, so he decided that he was going to run away. I guess the tyranny of living at the McLeod household as a four-year-old four was just more than too many he a bear. And he decided that he was going to run away. And I said, where are you running to? I'm going to go to Papaw's. Well, I could see Papaw's house from our house. So he, he wasn't going to take the entire journey in one big step. So I said, you can't get, how are you going to get over to Papaw's? I'm going to have Papaw come get me. How are you going to have Papaw come get you? I'm going to use the phone. What if I don't let you use the phone? Then I'll walk over there. How are you going to walk over there? I'm a, it's just right over there. Yeah, but you're not allowed to cross the street. Well, I'll, uh, I'll go under the bridge and come across that way. And so for 15 minutes, we went through this banter of everything that I would say he would have an answer for. He had figured this all out, and then finally it was just too much for him. And he decided to give that plan up. And he went back into the bedroom, laid down his book bag, and went outside. You know, sometimes all we can do is just go outside. We feel like, you know, there's just too much weight, too much trouble, too much to bear. So we'll go outside because we feel like we've, there's the only place we can find freedom sometimes. Freedom. Have you ever thought about what freedom means? That's what he thought he was seeking. He didn't realize that the moment that he left that house, if he was truly going to leave that house forever, he had made himself into bondage and having to provide for himself, make a living, figure out how to, to do things that he didn't have to do. It, he saw it as freedom, freedom, but he was actually entering into bondage to make his own way. It reminds you of the prodigal son. Can you imagine the prodigal son? He said, Dad, I want my part of the inheritance. Give me everything that you owe me. And the father gives it to him, and he sticks that in his pocket. And I can just imagine at his age, with this attitude, that he is high-stepping down that road. Man, I've got freedom. Man, I'm going to live the good life. Man, that's going to be awesome. It didn't take him very long to figure out that he had left freedom, and he had entered into bondage. Bondage of having to make his own way. Bondage of knowing what it was to have nothing. Bondage to know what it was to have to try to eat with the hogs. Sometimes our, our definition of freedom gets skewed. This morning I wanted perhaps to um, give us a different perception of a couple things. And one of those is um, freedom. Maybe we get a different, different uh, our definition of free, true freedom a little skewed. The freedom that counts anyway. Because freedom to a four-year-old is not having to eat their vegetables, being able to eat ice cream all they want to. Not having to wash their ears, not having to brush their teeth. That's freedom. Establishing their own bedtime, that's freedom. Freedom to an 18-year-old is, I have a car, I have the ability to leave this house, I can do whatever I want as long as I want, however I want, as long as Dad gives me gas money and i got to be back by midnight. But they think they're free. Freedom to the American, you think that I can do whatever I want to do in this country. I can say whatever I want to say. I can carry a gun anywhere I want to do it. I, I can do whatever from coast to coast I want to do without the government or anybody else being able to say different. I can say whatever I want to anybody regardless of the consequences. And yet there are still confines to freedom, to that freedom. So what, are, what is true freedom? True freedom is being set free from the bondage and payment of sin, period. That is true freedom. Because it was done through a course that I couldn't do for myself, you couldn't do for yourself. You were set free. You were, 
your freedom was purchased. This freedom allows a relationship with God, one where we can talk to Him, and He promises to listen. We can ask of Him, and He promises to answer. We can rely on Him, and He promises to provide and to save. Promises. God can't lie. That is freedom. But we don't see it that way sometimes. John 8, 31 says, So Jesus said unto the Jews that had believed in Him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Maybe we have a tough time sustaining that realization because of another perspective we have wrong. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Do you see yourself as a body that has a soul? Is that the way we view? Is that the way we see everything? Answer this to yourself, but do you think that you are a body that contains a, contains a soul? That's probably how we see ourselves. It's the way we, it's what we see every day. It's all around us. That's what we see when we walk down the street. I see people. I see bodies. I see people. And our focus becomes taking care of this body, taking care of that person. Because that's what I see. They are a body that contains a soul. You have all kinds of people. You've got big people, little people, rich people, poor people, people. And yes, we've got tall people. We've got all kinds of people. Everybody looks different. We've got blue eyes, brown eyes, blonde hair, no hair. It doesn't matter. The various variations are endless. But that's what we see when we first come into contact with anybody. That's what we see when we see in the mirror. We don't see our soul. We see our body. And we're not alone in that. We do, we do that as people. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, God sent Samuel to Bethlehem. And he says, I want you to go to Jesse because one of his sons, I have chosen to be king, and I want you to anoint him as king. So Samuel goes to Jesse, and he says, God, I'm here to anoint one of your boys as king. I need to see your boys. And he brings back, as everybody else would, his biggest, strongest, toughest, all-American. He said, this is going to be the one. I'm sure that this is the one. This has to be the one. Verse 6 through 8, he said, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look upon his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not a man as man sees. Man looks upon outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. The Lord, the Lord looks deeper than what we tend to a lot of times. And then he went on to the next son, and that wasn't it. And he went on to the next son, and that wasn't it. And, he went, and finally, Jesse said, or Samuel asked him, he said, do you not have any more sons? He's not chosen any of these people. He's like, well, I got this one. I got this one, but he's out with the sheep because he's really not, I don't let him stay around here much because he, he's not strong. He's not tough. He's not particularly talented. He can watch sheep, but I don't even keep him around here. I mean, I can call for him, but he's, he's, a, guy, he's a small guy. He's not really much of a catch. But that's the one that God saw because God saw David's heart. And that's what he wanted. Because God sees it differently than what we see it. What if we started seeing the people and ourselves around us, not bodies that held a soul, but souls that were encapsulated within a body? Well, that changes our whole perspective then. If I see you as a soul, if I see you as a something more than flesh and bone, if I see you, try to see you as God sees you, then it's, a lot of this stuff is made so, so much easier. If I'll look at you differently, if we'll look at each other differently. 
It's an example of form and function and which one is truly important. You know, we've had cars. Logan likes cars really well. I've always had cars that I loved, and, and uh, cars are a great example of form and function. The paint job, the shiny wheels, all the bling on it, that's form. That's all it is, and it has very little to do with function. But it has a, do a, a lot to do with whether you pay the price for that or not. Function is the engine, the transmission, the wheels, the thing that gets you from point A to point B. After all, that's why you're buying a car anyway, isn't it? To get from point A to point B. I, I'm sure everybody here at one point or another has seen the, the movie Vacation, where Chevy Chase goes to, to purchase a new vehicle and he comes back with the family truckster. That's the name of the car. And it was hideous. Um, the guys at the set when they were building the car just had a blast with it. Putting extra headlights on it, extra taillights, putting stuff where it shouldn't belong. It was hideous. He drove that, if I'm not mistaken, from Chicago to somewhere in California. And the family truckster made it. It wasn't much to look at in form, but it did what it needed to do and function. At the same time, he kept running to Christy Brinkley, who was driving a Ferrari. The Ferrari was, had a really nice form, but it didn't do anything for her that that family truckster didn't do for him. Form and function mean something. If we concentrate on form, then we, we lose out on really what God intends us to do. It's exactly what I'm saying. If we are concentrating on the person, the body, and that's what we're dealing with, then we're dealing with form. But function is the soul. Function is what stays, what remains. Without function, form means nothing. You can still sit in your class. I'm going to show you this. Form means nothing without function. The body without the soul means nothing. You can have the nice car, you can have a $100,000 car. And if the motor's blown up in it, it's worthless. Oh, you can go sit out in the yard and shut the door behind you, put the hand on the steering wheel, make revving, engine revving noises with your, with your mouth and, and dream like you're driving down the road, but it serves no purpose. Function is where we need to pay attention. If that's what we see first as a body with a soul, but the soul is not where it needs to be, we may have an illusion of freedom, but we're in a horrible um, ensnarement. Because one is temporal and the other is external, or eternal. One degrades with time and the other remains. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, 8, for, the body exercise, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. If we are so focused on the life that now is because all that we can see is form, then we miss out on the true freedom that is eternal life, that is forgiveness of sins, that is a relationship with God. So if we can make ourselves see ourselves and others as the soul with an outer body, then so many of these things become so much easier. This is the Word of God right here. This is what we have. This is what God left us with, and it is perfect. From cover to cover, every single word, it was breathed out of the mouth of God, and every single word is perfect. It is perfect in instructing us on how to live our lives and how to have joy and how to have peace, and we only miss out on those things when we vary from those things. Jesus said that man shall not live by, the, by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. 
I was taught in high school as you are, there are four food groups. And we were supposed to combine these four food, four food groups in different portions so that they sustain our body as healthily as what we can. And we try to recognize that to some degree. Uh, and, and because of that, you know, most of the time we eat things, or, or some of the times we eat, we don't eat things that, that, will, that will do our, our body harm. It was a concern we had because it's how we look at things, that that body contains a soul. We're more concerned with that. But if we see a soul that is temporarily housed in a body, then our appetite changes. And we're made more aware of what's temporal and what's eternal. A razor blade. A razor blade has function. It's to, it's to cut. They didn't spend a lot of time on form with a razor blade. About every razor blade looks the same. They don't put paint on it. They don't put decorations on it. It's there to serve a purpose. If we take that razor blade and we stretch a rope from here to the moon and we raise that, take that razor blade, every one of us go out front and we put a razor blade on the side of that rope. The contact point that that razor blade makes with that rope is not even close to symbolizing your section your position, your portion of eternity here on earth. We spend all of our time looking for that razor blade edge, trying to take care of that razor blade edge, which is life. But if we will look at this in the right manner, this is such a short amount of time. We don't have much time here at all. 70 years is what we're promised. Some are different. But either way, if you live to 100, that is still... Nothing is compared to eternity. We realize that when we begin to, to see that we are souls encapsulated into a body. When we are aware of that, we will see, we will see the need for God's word. We will seek out God's word. We will thirst for righteousness. Matthew 13, 45 through 46 will probably make a lot more sense to us. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man that's seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. We'll see where treasure really is. You know, I've seen people that, that, that uh, are really proud of their possessions. They, they are, that's their identity, is their possessions. Um, and they are very proud of that. They're very proud of themselves. And as Jeremy told us there at the, uh, during the communion, these are all blessings that are provided by God. There is nothing that I own because, again, in that speck of time that is my time on this earth, once that's over, I don't possess those anymore. Someone else will possess those. Someone else will sell those. Someone else will enjoy the benefit of those. The Bible tells us we'll toil for somebody else to take the, the harvest. We start to realize what's truly important. We will see the perfection in his word and his will and be willing to submit to it. When we see body before soul and we read this word, then we will try to twist and adapt and mutate this word to fit our situation or the situation of somebody we love. We will find an excuse in here for why that's okay to do that, even though the word says it isn't. Or that's okay that, that this person is like that, even though the word says it isn't. Because we are too fo focused on 
our comfort at this moment or their comfort at this moment and not focusing on eternity. When we do this, God's plan, I know I've said this before, God's plan is, a, is perfection. It is a perfect circle. If we do what he says to do, this happens. And because this happens, we are motivated to do what he wants us to do, which again causes this to happen. And it goes like this. But as soon as I interject self into that, I throw a weight on one portion of that circle. And I throw it out of balance. And a wheel out of balance, it'll shimmy just a little while. And then it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, until it winds up beating the bearings out of the, out of the wheel. Anytime that we interject self into God's word, then it's sin. Sin is self interjected into God's plan. And anytime we try to find a way out of a situation we're in or, or vary from the situation you're in, I really don't like that section. So I've heard, you know, you've heard people say that I, I, that, that doesn't appear in my Bible anymore. I took that page out. You didn't add or take away from the Word of God by ripping that page out, but you added or took away from the Word of God when you applied it to your life. You know, the last, uh, uh, in Revelations, it says, if any man add or, or take away from any word in this book, all the plagues will be added unto him. And it's speaking about Revelations, but you can apply that through the rest of this. We, it is not up to us to add or take away from what God says. It's up to, for us to, to conform but it's so much easier when if we see our soul first within a body because we can see then that it's eternal protection. It is freedom that he's offering you within the cover of this book. But it's how we look at it. It's the perspective we take. Personal experience, feelings, opinions don't override the word of God. They can't. My personal experience cannot override the Word of God. My personal feelings cannot override the Word of God. Once we see that we are souls within a body, we will esteem each other better than ourselves. Of course we will. Like it says that in Philippians 2, 3. Why wouldn't I? Because right now when we go down the street... Every person that you meet, you make some sort of judgment based on their outward appearance. You may come across a big guy, no shirt on, huge rippling muscles, don't want to mess with that fella. You may come across somebody that driving a really, really nice car, steps out dressed in everything, horrible attitude. That's what we see. We may see somebody that doesn't have anything. They're really struggling to put anything together. We may see people that are hurt that find it really, really hard to smile anymore. We may see people that are mourning, but their mind just isn't right there right now. We run into all these different people, and depending on our mood, our personal experience, our feelings, that affects how we interact with those people. If I had a rough day and you're having a tough day, then the chances of me being empathetic with you and supportive of you are, go down quite a bit. If I see you as a soul, that there is no six foot versus five foot five, there is no 
120 pounds versus 280 pounds. There is no white versus black. There is no poor versus rich. If I see you as a soul, then I will value you more so. And it makes it easier for me to esteem you to put your feelings in front of mine because I've finally figured out what it is that's important. And this stuff is not important. We will love our neighbors as ourselves because we will see them as souls within a body as well. We will study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Because we realize what's at stake for me and for you. Yeah. I, uh, I've grown up my entire life with, with hair that wants to do whatever it wants to do. And some days, you know, you get it right, and some days you don't. Um, some days you're satisfied with how your hair looks, and some days you don't. Sorry, James. I'm, I'm lucky, brother. Um, but, but, but you understand what I'm saying. Some days when we go by this outward appearance all the time, then some days we get it right, and some days we don't. If we begin to try to divide the word based on our eternal soul, then we get it right. If we divide the word based on my feelings or emotions or anything like that, then we get it wrong. We will study to show ourselves approved. And we will desire for that. Truth. John 8, 31. So Jesus said unto the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Abide in my word. We're going to go right back to, I know I do this all the time. I've, I don't know that I've preached a lesson in forever that I didn't use Matthew 7, 21. For not everyone that cries unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. There's no other ticket. There's no other way. If you're not willing to do his will, he said, I never knew you. And we can know, we can say we know Jesus. We can say I've read all about him. But we established the last time that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus has to know you. And he knows you by what did we just read. If you abide in me, in my word, you are my truly my disciples. That's how he knows you. So we have to live in this. When do we have to live this out? So Jesus said unto the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And if you know the truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Are you free this morning? Are you? I mean, as an American, yes, you are. You will leave this place, go wherever you want, eat whatever you want, do whatever you want this afternoon. Free from persecution. So as an American, yeah, you're free. But are you truly free? Or are you still under the bondage? Because Satan made you think, think and believe, oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Dabble in the word some. Learn a couple verses so that you can pure pies. But that's not freedom. John 8, 34 through 36, Jesus answered unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, then you are free indeed. You're not set free by you. You're set free by the son. 
Has Jesus set you free? Have you allowed him to set you free? John 4, 14, 6, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Not a way, a truth, a life, but the. No man cometh to the Father. This morning, are you a body within a soul or are you a soul with a body? Do you choose form or do you choose function? Because it really is your choice. God gives everybody free will. Everybody has free will. But freedom can only be attained by committing to serve him no matter what the cost is. This morning, if your perspective has been off, if you're a child of God and, and you're not where you want to be, if, if there's things that's happened, you know, sometimes we fall down. And if we're out there on the street and we watch somebody go down the road, how many times have you done that? You see somebody fall and we laugh. We do. When a body that contains a soul falls, perhaps that's funny. But when a soul that's encapsulated, encapsulated by a body falls, it's tragic. It's horrible. But we fall sometimes. In Proverbs it says that a righteous man falleth seven times. He gets up. Do you need to get up today? Because this is the day to do something about it. It's hard. It's hard to stand back up. But it's so worth it. Because eternity is what matters. Freedom is what matters. That relationship with God is what matters. If you've never come to God, if you don't know what that is, that freedom. Because you've never been washed clean of the sins that you've committed. You realize the deal that you're given there? You committed all these crimes. Somebody else paid all the price. And now the judge says, I'm going to clear your record. Forever. Everything, you just, everything you've ever done. That's freedom. This morning, if you've never come to God, if you've never been baptized in the grave of baptism, uh, Romans 6 says that you are, are buried into that water grave of baptism to arise in a newness of life. There's an operation that occurs at that time, not performed by human hands, that makes you a new creature. If you've never done that, if you need the prayers of the congregation, if you have any need at all, will you come as we stand and sing?
Thanks, Steve. Good morning. Good to see each of you here this morning. If you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. And we'd ask that you'd fill out a visitor's card in the uh, pew in front of you and just drop that in the, uh, the box in the back, in the black box. Also, we invite you to stick around and have lunch with us today. Uh, speaking of that, um, as Jerry mentioned, we have our potluck meal right after services this morning. And then we'll have our uh, 1 p.m. service today, so we will not have evening services today. And then also, as uh, soon as our 1 p.m. service ends, we'll head over to uh, Wingate, and we'll have singing over there for the residents. So I invite you to, to join us there. Next Sunday begins a, a new quarter for our Bible classes, and we are in desperate need of teachers. Uh, so if you could help out with that um, for Sunday morning, please see Jeremy or Connie. And I think we need help with about all ages. Some items coming up, uh, activities coming up in March. Um, Wednesday, March 6th, will be the Stepping Stones dinner. And Beef Stroganoff is on the menu. And just a reminder that the proceeds from that meal uh, go to support missions. March 10th, after evening services, there'll be a pie bake-off. So I encourage everyone to, to come to that. You could bake a pie and bring it if you'd like, or we... Uh, if you just want to be a taste tester, they need taste testers to try out the different pies and cast your vote for, uh, for your favorite pie. Also, as been mentioned, um, our men's retreat's coming, uh, coming up quickly. That'll be on uh, Friday, March 15th and 16th. So if you've never been to that, I just encourage, uh, encourage the men to come to that. It's, it's a really great time for us to fellowship with one another. And a lot of the... Um, a lot of men from the uh, area congregations will be there as well. So, again, it's just a good time to, to get together. There's always great lessons, and we sing and, and pray, and it's just a, a really encouraging um, time for, for the men. So um, just encourage you to, to uh, come to that. And uh, like I said, it's Friday evening, and then uh, it's all Saturday morning. So if you can only make Friday evening or Saturday morning, um, you know, that, that's fine. Also, uh, the... Schedule March schedule is now out on the foyer table, so make sure you pick one of those up, men, and uh, see if uh, if you're serving in March. As far as prayer lists, um, just continue to pray for uh, Jim Martin and Jackie Hutchison and Jim Haney as they deal with um, you know, their various health issues and cancer, and also Jimmy Wilgus. Jimmy was here this morning and told me that he has a PET scan scheduled this Wednesday in Columbus. So let's make sure we pray for him, and Friday Simpson and Roger Kaufman. That is all the announcements that I have. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 401, Live for Jesus. We'll sing the first and last verse, and then Brother Dean Covey will have our closing prayer. Live for Jesus, oh my brother, his desire forever be. Render not to any other God above the Lord to be. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give Thank you. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we don't know what we would do without you. You have changed my life. And since I've been here in this church, my life has changed even more. You are here. This church, I understand, and I believe it's part of the church of the New Testament in the book of Acts. We love you, Father. I pray for this congregation. I pray, Father, that they can continue to look to you for all that they need. Don't look to the world. Look at you. Because you are the only one that will provide. As we dismiss and go to our, our separate homes, be with us, Father. And I pray that we leave here with the kind of attitude that, there, that we are going to follow you into eternity. God bless everyone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.